It's me again, Jin. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Stress Bucket Solutions. I hope you've been well. Uh, Weather has been super variable here in Edinburgh, uh, but it's still been sunny. It's still been bright. So holding on to that last little bits of sunshine. Uh, I wanted to talk today and probably the next few episodes uh, quite a bit about sleep. I have just finished a two-day course in CBT training for insomnia and I've just got so many gems to share with you, so many. So um, the next few episodes might be on sleep, uh, insomnia, that kind of thing. So uh, yeah, hang on in there. I'll, I'll record as many as I can to just impart all this information that's absolutely blown my mind the last couple of days. It's been really hard work. I won't deny it. It's, it's been um, online uh, with uh, a company and, and the person in charge. And it's just been fantastic. Really, really good stuff. Um, so yeah, let's get straight into it. The first thing I wanted to talk about, uh, which I found hilarious was something that they call the three P's. Now, I, you know, I use something called the three P's, which is positive activity, positive interactions and positive thinking to help empty the stress bucket. And they talked about the three P's of insomnia. So let's look at their three P's. Now, if you suffer with chronic insomnia, you will be able to pinpoint there is a time when it started Now, let's be solution focused about this. First of all, there was a time you slept really well. When was it that you slept well? There was a time it might have been in childhood, you know, it might have been before your kids were born. Um, But there was a time you slept well. So if you don't sleep very well now, you can probably take it back to some sort of trigger to that Uh, Maybe you found yourself out of work or a bereavement or um, an accident, but something began where then you stopped sleeping. Some sort of stressor occurred. But either way, if you've got chronic insomnia and that's carried on and on, that original trigger is probably gone by now. And now you've got other things going on that's just making your insomnia persist. So this model of insomnia uh, was created, this three Ps was created back in the 1980s by someone called Arthur Spielman. So it's called Spielman's model of the three Ps of insomnia. And those three Ps are predisposing factors, precipitating factors and perpetuating factors. So let's let's have a closer look at all of those. So what are those? What are these factors that contribute to insomnia? Now, the predisposing factors, these are those things that make us vulnerable. So we we would have a baseline risk uh, of that. And often these are genetic. These are things we we are not in control of. These are out of our control. Genetics. If we're just prone to, you know, you will find that if you're not a very good sleeper, maybe one or even both of your parents were not very good sleepers either. And your grandparents weren't good sleepers. So that there is a hereditary factor. Now that we can't control. But actually just understanding, yeah, I, I might be a little bit prone to insomnia, you know, might just help you have a level of acceptance around that. Yeah, you know, whoever in your family, my mum, my dad, someone just didn't sleep well, maybe I take after them in that. You know, so we have, we do have a predisposition for it. You could have a predisposition for insomnia as well. Now, so that's the first P. Uh, and I think that just speaks for itself. It's pretty straightforward. The second P is precipitating factors. Now, that is the trigger. What was the trigger 
that started those first few sleepless nights that you had. Now, these can be, you know, that that typical stress, a trauma, like I said, or a bereavement or something, you know, really significant happened in your life. Now, what we would want to know in that case is that those, yes, it, it's, it's cause for insomnia. Of course, it is. You are in a highly stressed period of your life. Something is going on. It is a trigger. But we would hope that it would be relatively short term. You know, it's something that would pass. And then you could get back into sleep again, because at that point, you are more vigilant. You are quite stressed. Your stress bucket is filling up. There's going to be a period in your time, in your life, a period of time that you cannot sleep because you're so worried about something. You're so concerned about something. But as that issue hopefully starts to resolve itself, you'll find that the emotional factors around it go down and you should be able to start sleeping again. But that often doesn't happen because what comes into play during that time as well is the third P, perpetuating factors. They come into play now as well on top of the precipitating factors. So after those first few weeks, you know, first few days or weeks of bad sleep, then you start getting bad habits. Then you start adding into it. So what do you start to do? You're feeling tired in the day, so you have more coffee. Caffeine's going to now start keeping you awake. You're now even worried that you can't get to sleep and the bed and the bedroom becomes the enemy and it's stressing you out just thinking about going to sleep. And so what you do is you take a little nap in the afternoon because you're so tired during the day and now now you're stressed out because you're not working efficiently. You're snapping at your children. You're really getting annoyed. You're getting anxious. You're getting angry. You might even be getting depressed uh, as well. So what you might do is you might take a little bit of a nap. Now, if you have a good sleep and you're quite healthy, a nap is fine. You've known in some of my previous podcasts, I recommend a nap. But if you take a nap when you know you should be sleeping at night, you are taking off the pressure. You're, You're reducing your sleep pressure that will help you to sleep at night. But you're obviously so exhausted that you want to have a nap. It's totally understandable, but it's a vicious circle. So napping during the day when you feel like that obviously makes it more difficult to fall asleep at night. And then what you try to do is on the weekend, you you try to catch up on sleep. That doesn't work either. Sleep doesn't work like that. You have to be very consistent, very regular uh, and with a routine. So you start worrying at night about what you're going to have, what's going to happen the next day. And so the cycle begins again. So it's those perpetuating factors that can be huge. And that's the cycle we try to break in solution-focused therapy. And I know how to do that now in this um, CBT course as well. So it's really important to remember that going back to our first solution-focused question, there was a time you slept well. You did. Now, not everybody needs eight hours of sleep. So the World Health Organization says eight hours of sleep. Some people need a little bit more. Some people need a little bit less. Do not get hung up on the numbers. When you wake up, if you feel refreshed that you've had a lovely night's sleep and you're raring to go, whether that's seven hours or nine hours, if you're anything like me, I'm, an, I'm definitely nine hours. That's fine. That's what's right for you. So try and work out what's right for you. And if you've got predisposing factors, that might mean you're, you're on the, you know, six, seven hours end of the scale. But again, knowing that, yeah, my parents were, were slightly, sh- had shorter sleep at times and had a little bit of insomnia, that's fine. 
But that's not necessarily insomnia. Insomnia means you can't sleep at night. You are disturbed. You just have a shorter sleep uh, time, a, a shorter sleep window. That is fine. As long as your sleep is good, we must sleep. We have to sleep. It's a biological response. It, it's just the same as breathing and your heart beating. You can't control it. I could get you to sleep, definitely, by keeping you awake for a couple of days and nights. You will definitely then fall asleep. There's part of your brain that says, no, I need to sleep. So if you have insomnia, please know that you can sleep. You might be predisposed to it. But that's the first P. But the second two P's I think you need to look at. The precipitating factors. What was the trigger? And are you perpetuating it? What are your perpetuating factors? Now, if your precipitating factors were very traumatic, something that you still haven't got over, that needs dealing with. That needs dealing with with talking therapy, uh, maybe seeing, seeing your GP about getting referred, coming to see a therapist. And the perpetuating factors, again, you can handle those themselves, but a therapist would be able to help you with that. And I, I'm definitely going to start helping more and more people with that now looking at what are those perpetuating factors. So precipitating factors, I think I already deal with in solution-focused therapy, but sometimes we look at just processing all the past anxieties without going over the past. I know it sounds strange, but that's how we do it. And the perpetuating factors is having that realization yourself, and you can only do that when your stress bucket's empty, that hang on a minute, I need to be doing this. And how good it would feel for me to have a good night's sleep so with this course I've done recently, I think definitely the precipitating and perpetuating factors, we're going to be able to eliminate um, the predisposing ones like genetics. Obviously, we can't do anything about that. So please think about your three P's for sleep and for insomnia, uh, whichever way you want to call them. But it can be overcome. You know, it is something that these perpetuating factors can really help us understand why insomnia just carries on. So even when the initial trigger has calmed down, you know, it's all the other perpetuating factors. And actually, um, the course I was on, um, the presenter told a really good story and a, an example of a story. Uh, you know, just right, right, think of this example. So, you know, um, Betty, so Betty comes, you know, to see me because she can't sleep very well. Um, but what happened is the trigger for that um, is that Betty's uh, her husband of 50 years died, you know, sort of months ago. And so she obviously didn't start sleeping very well. Uh, and totally understandable in that case. She also remembers, you know, maybe her mum didn't used to sleep very well either all her life. So she knows she might not be a good sleeper. So it's understanding that. Then what's happened is over time, because Betty hasn't been sleeping well, she's been tired in the day. She's been napping, which will affect her memory. She's now starting to get a little bit depressed. Uh, she's not going out so much um, because maybe she doesn't feel like going out because her husband's not with her. And now she's developed a bit of arthritis, a little bit more arthritis has got worse. She's in a little bit of pain. Maybe she's even getting gout. You know, now it's, it, this would maybe be a year on. So the, the precipitating factor was the bereavement, but the perpetuating factors came from that, that Betty didn't get over that bereavement and per perpetuating that now her health is being affected. And I used to see this as an optometrist all the time. There was always one precipitating factor, but the perpetuating factors made things worse. Health started to get physically affected. So what happens there is now after six months, a year, you know, in, in a way, you know, Betty's got over her bereavement, 
But these perpetuating factors are not letting her sleep. She's in pain. She's got into bad habits. She's drinking too much coffee and she's depressed. So that precipitating and perpetuating factor combined has got Betty to where she is now. And however, I will say this is fully treatable. It is treatable. We can get Betty back on track here and get her sleeping again. And so can you. So have a think about your three P's and where can you help yourself? Is there something you can do to cut down those perpetuating factors? Can you go back to your trigger, your precipitating factor? What was it that started this? And before that, were you sleeping well? Remember those times. Do you need to deal with the trigger? Do you need to deal with the perpetuating factors? Now, the perpetuating factors might have got so huge now you feel out of control. Again, that's where a therapist would help. So I just thought it was an interesting take, another variation on three Ps. But the three Ps for insomnia, they're called Spielman's three Ps. If you want to look it up, it's Arthur Spielman, spelt S-P-I-E-L-M-A-N. Uh, and it's a, a behavioral model. And I just found it really interesting in that, yeah, and I, I think it applies to, to therapy totally uh, as well. And even interestingly now, I've realized as I'm talking to you, it applied to how I saw people in optometry as well when, when I was an optician. Yes, we always asked about medication and genetic factors, but there was always it was a trigger and the trigger led on to more things. So have a think about what is causing your insomnia and know that you can sleep again. So like I said, I'm going to do more episodes on sleep uh, the next few coming up. Probably, I'm just so hyped about this course I did on it. Um, so I'm going to give you lots more tips and tricks and, and information on sleep. And although I already do that in my therapy, I am getting ready to practice that with my current clients at the moment. Sleep is your free therapy. Uh, it's, it's absolutely free. It helps. It empties your stress bucket. It really, really does. Um, so that's why I was keen to, to do the course in the first place. So, um, until next time, when we talk some more about sleep, get some good sleep. You can do it. You did it a lot as a baby. You can still do it now. We've taught ourselves not how not to sleep. I want you to get some good sleep until next time. Take care. Bye for now.